Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you are a terrorist therapist. Well, unlike the saying goes for Las Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, what happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan. Uh, unfortunately, it is affecting the West, affecting America particularly, and it is doing so in some obvious ways, things that you um, probably have thought of or heard talked about, um, such as the fact that there are now three terrorist groups. Uh, it's a hotbed, Afghanistan, now that we've left, Afghanistan has turned into a hotbed for terrorism, as both are all three, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban, uh, plot to take over the West without any, uh, any interference from US troops. Um, also, of course, the Taliban now has uh, countless dollars worth of weapons and our intelligence from the US embassy that they took over and et cetera, et cetera. But what you may not have been hearing much about is the insidious ways that what happened in Afghanistan is affecting America. Um, and putting us in more immediate danger. So I'm going to be talking to you today about uh, that, about how, um, what is uh, the chaos that is currently happening in Afghanistan. And then I'm going to get to um, how this is affecting us right now in the U.S. And, um, and then um, last but not least, some potential scenarios, additional further scenarios um, in the last segment. So you can, you can take your pick as to what you think will happen. All right, so let's talk about what is happening, currently happening in Afghanistan. Um, and that is that the Taliban, despite their press conference where they tried to make themselves look like gentle teddy bears and make Afghanistan look like the latest Club Med destination, they are now admitting, no one will tell us what our laws should be. We will follow Islam and we will make our laws on the Quran. So since our disastrous uh, surrender and defeat, the Taliban has, and of course, if you watch the press conference carefully, and I've mentioned this before, really they gave hints of this already in the press conference, but they were good at being subtle about it, that uh, when they answered questions and so on. So even though they want us to believe that they are new and improved and more moderate and less barbaric than the Taliban that ruled Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001, Unfortunately, they are already beginning to show their true colors. So for example, um, although they spoke at this press conference, hinted uh, or tried to imply that they were gonna, girls and women were gonna 
you know, um, have more freedom. In fact, they said it was going to be according to the law, laws of the Quran. But the way they said it, it really did. Uh, it really hid what was what what ultimately happened. And that is um, the Taliban has now banned girls older than 12 of receiving schooling from receiving schooling. They uh, women who were at first assured that they could continue working are now forced to return home permanently from their jobs. The Taliban promised not to punish former members of the Afghan army, but instead, as you may well know already, the fighters, their fighters, the, the Taliban has have been seizing uh, Afghan army veterans and decapitating them and executing them and sometimes on camera to show others. And so there is very little difference between the new Taliban and the old Taliban, except that the new Taliban now has taken over $90 billion in American weaponry that we left behind in the chaos, the confusion, and the haste. And um, this should make it impossible for their enemies in Afghanistan to dislodge them from power, but uh, as you'll hear at the, uh, at the end, um, it's not, not so easy, perhaps because they don't know well enough how to use these weapons, um, perhaps because Afghanistan itself is still in such chaos, um, but, it, it, but they are not, they are not uh, indefinitely, they're not assured, even with these $90 billion of weapons, um, they're not assured, or at least the other... <laughs> Uh, ISIS K, for example, doesn't doesn't isn't just uh, um, surrendering to them like the U.S. So, for example, um, the co-founder of the Taliban, Mullah Nuruddin Turabi, just announced that the A Afghan legal code will be guided by the Quran. So this means that there will be dismemberments the cutting off of hands and sometimes legs just below the knees of thieves uh, as punishment. Um, before the previous government imprisoned thieves, but they are going back to dismemberments um, because uh, imprisoning isn't good enough for the Quran. It says dismemberments. Um, executions are also going to be used more widely, not just to punish murderers, but also to punish anyone who they decide are enemies of the state. Adulterers will again be stoned to death. And um, the question that still remains, however, there is some, uh, um, oh, discussion, shall we say, I don't know if it's enough to be... Uh, uh, ar uh, arguments, but um, there's discussion about whether or not these executions and dismemberments and all of these barbaric practices will be done the way they were before uh, by the Taliban, which was in a stadium um, so that there were crowds who could watch. Now, particularly, they liked to have these uh, events at the Kabul soccer stadium. And um, the people were, you know, saw the uh, barbarism and enjoyed the barbarism and, uh, and watched. And some of them actually came down and stomped on the people who were uh, being killed. 
or before as they were being killed or after they were being killed they actually can't i mean you know it's um it's a sad state of affairs it was and it will likely be again so now mula nurudin Tarubi, tarabi um he he is saying that the he is warning the world not to interfere with Afghanistan's new rulers, whatever they decide about whether these things are gonna be done in public or not. He said, everyone criticized us for the punishments in the stadium, but we have never said anything about their laws and their punishments. No one will tell us what our laws should be. We will follow Islam and we will make our laws on the Quran. Um, he is an interesting guy. He's now in his early 60s. He was the justice minister and the head of the so-called Ministry of Propagation of Virtue and Prevention of Vice, uh, which is essentially the religious police, during the Taliban's previous rule. And um, this uh, ministry of, you know, it sounds like um, uh, sounds like something from 1984 or Animal Farm or, um, uh, you know, not, not a real thing, but apparently it was. They uh, weren't, this um, ministry was no longer functioning after America came in in 2001, but it has just been reopened by the Taliban. So these religious police will again be out making sure that girls and women are properly covered, that women have left the workplace and are back at home where they belong, according to them, that women over 12 aren't in school, uh, that unrelated males and females are never left alone, and that blasphemers are sought out and executed. So um, I, as I was saying, he was a, a very, um, interesting, interesting man. He um, wears a white turban and has a bushy, unkempt white beard. I know that could be a lot of people. He's stocky and uh, he limps slightly on an artificial leg because he lost a leg and one eye during fighting with the Soviet troops in the 1980s. Needless to say, kind of like Captain Hook, <laughs> needless to say, he's an angry guy, a perfect guy to be in charge of the Taliban's prisons and their whole system of criminal punishment. So, um, you know, he's angry about what happened to him and his condition and so on, and he's more than happy to take it out on people who he would like to punish. Um, they also, again, the only thing that is still up for discussion is whether or not it's going to be these punishments are going to be in public or not. And um, he, um, Tarabi, doesn't mind these spectacles. He likes them, quite frankly, but he also knows that the outside world can use them to harm the image or to criticize the image of the Taliban. No kidding, really? <laughs> All right. Well, next we are going to look at what all this chaos and, and barbarism in uh, Afghanistan, how that is affecting what is happening now in America. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. We're talking today about what happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan, unlike Las Vegas. So I just was telling you about all the barbarism and chaos that is existing currently 
in Afghanistan. And let's look now at how this is affecting America. Right now, um, a US Citizenship and Immigration Services official who doesn't want to be named said, it's a giant can of worms. He's talking about the Afghans who have come from Afghanistan and are in US on US bases. Well, that's part of the problem. They are walking off US bases and no one knows where they are. Hmm. Um, and even this uh, person who is an expert on this, an authority on this, is acknowledging, but asking not to be named, um, that it's a giant can of worms. So um, they call, they're calling them independent departures. Don't you lo love this news speak? <laughs> um, you know, not, uh, not, not what it really is. I mean, yes, they are independent departures, but, you know, um, they're, the Afghans who were rescued from Afghanistan are walking off U.S. military bases where they are being housed. They're getting up, walking away. No one knows where they're going. And at least, at least 700 Afghans have now left various military bases and are somewhere in the U.S. And over 300 have vanished from Fort Bliss alone. No one knows where. <laughs> you know, um, we, in the meantime, while all this is happening, I know, I know people don't want to think about Afghanistan, certainly don't want to think about what I'm going to be talking about now um, as far as what's happening in the U.S., but, and we'd rather be distracted by the search for Brian Laundrie and other news. Uh, we'd like to forget about the humiliation in Afghanistan and the disheartening surrender and uh, the foreboding memory of Afghanistan. And I, you know, I know I talk about things that a lot of times people would like to forget, but you know why I'm doing it. I am trying to keep you all on uh, alert. I mean, not, not to where you're hiding in, under your covers in bed, but where you know that you need to um, build resilience in yourself physically and psychologically and just be aware of what's going on in the world. And now not just in Afghanistan, but Af the Afghanistan that has come to America. So, all right, there's um, the, the um, State Department has said, I mean, we get all these figures, you know, I'm gonna quote figures that I have found in um, reputable, a reputable source. But um, you know that these figures are very, because of the chaos and so on, and because of what the um, administration would like us to think, um, these are just approximates, okay? But of the 60,000 Afghans who have entered the US, nearly 8,000 are either US citizens or residents. 1,800 are special immigrant visa holders. Uh, because these are people who got visas after they helped the U.S. military. So that leaves around 50,200 Afghan refugees for whom we have no certain identification and no assurance whatsoever that they aren't jihad terrorists. Now, Biden's administration uh, have boasted about having brought in more than 124,000 people. <laughs> Again, you know, that's what they're saying, but maybe it is uh, from Afghanistan. So if it's 124,000 who 
supposedly were brought in. And we know we've identified uh, the ones that I just mentioned. Um, that leaves uh, 74,000 who, um, who, who are, there, there are, let me say, there are 74,000 who are on their way here. So in other words, um, Biden's people are saying that they have brought 124,000. Um, there are there are there are there are Afghans. Not all the Afghan people who were rescued were are are in the U.S. already. Some of them are on um, foreign bases and they are on their way here at some when when there's room for them, presumably. So there are three possibilities about why these uh, refugees have disappeared from the military bases and left no forwarding address. So these are the three possibilities. One, they're not legally who they say they are, and they're worried that the authorities will find out. Two, they're committing a crime such as trafficking young girls, as we already have uh, seen at Fort McCoy. Um, I will tell you about that. Um, th or three, they're terrorists here to infiltrate America. I mean, I have been saying that all along, that there is no way that all of, you know, we've, we all saw pictures of the airport and people scrambling onto planes and so on. And there is no way that all of these people could have been vetted. So um, it is really, um, now the, the so it is really questionable about about surely, you know, hopefully most of the people were good people who helped us and all of that, but there is no way to know who the who is amongst them who do not, who don't want to be helpful and instead want to commit jihad in the US and they got a, a flight. We brought them here. Um, so now the Department of, um, of Homeland Security is saying that the Afghans who disappeared, quote, generally, unquote, had family and friends in the US, as well as enough money to be able to fend for themselves. Well, that whole thing is questionable and generally, um, you know, is not very reassuring. Um, they're trying to say that uh, all the refugees on these, on these um, bases, uh, everyone who disappeared, right? All quote, already had already undergone security screening before arriving in the US. Now, Really, I mean, you know, you, you saw the pictures. I don't have to convince you. <laughs> Did it look to you like everybody getting on those planes had undergone screening? I don't think so. Um, now, at the bases, they're handed a paper called Departee Information, which is, quote, meant to warn Afghans considering leaving the base before completing their resettlement. It reminds them that on base, they can get their immigration paperwork processed and even cash to help pay for travel to their destination in the US. Once you leave this base, you forfeit these advantages and may not return. Well, you know, it's really um, taking a long time um, for the, for these, uh, for all the uh, refugees to be sent to various cities and the, the Afghan refugees are somewhat impatient um, 
and um, are not necessarily convinced by these pamphlets that they should stay and wait for these goodies. Um, the real problem is that according to immigration experts, Afghans who leave the bases are not breaking US laws. So the military officials have no legal authority to hold them against their, to hold them against their will at any of these eight locations, um, these bases around America. So holding the 53,000 Afghans. So, um, so this is a very, you know, so no wonder, the, so no wonder the um, US Citizenship and Immigration Services official said, this is a giant can of worms. We don't know, we, we don't know that all of them have good intentions. We don't know how many plan to commit jihad and now we don't know where they are. Okay, so here are just a couple of examples of um, problems that have occurred. Um, from people who didn't walk off the base. Uh, there, in other words, some of the Afghan refugees are committing crimes, causing problems on the bases already before, not even the ones, we're not, we're not even talking about the ones who walked off. Um, at Fort Bliss, um, Fort Bliss is, it has announced that a female service member was assaulted by a group of Afghan refugees. In other words, a woman who was working at the base, who was trying to help the Afghan refugees, um, she was assaulted. And um, this was at the Donna Anna complex in New Mexico, that she, where she was. So whether it was because the Afghan, these Af refugees objected to her being a woman who was working or, and especially because she had charge over them, or if it was a sexual assault, they are keeping this pretty much hush hush. Um, she may have, they may have seen her as, you know, an uncovered woman, an infidel who needed to be punished. But quite frankly, <laughs> it seems more likely that they, um, you know, that, that it was a sexual attack. I mean, yes, these other things might well have played a role as well, but, um, but you know, it seems, since there's mayhem, um, so, so many refugees compared to the number of workers and especially female workers. Um, so they put out Fort Bliss, which is in Texas, um, put out a statement. We can confirm a female service member supporting Operation Allies Welcome reported being assaulted on September 19th by a small group of male evacuees at the Donna Ana complex in New Mexico. We take the allegation seriously and appropriately referred the matter to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The safety and well being of our service members, as well as all of those on our installations, is paramount. We immediately provided appropriate care, counseling, and support to the service member. Task Fort Bliss is also implementing additional security measures to include increased health and safety patrols, additional lighting, and enforcement of the buddy system at the Donna Anna complex. We will cooperate fully and continue to ensure the service members reporting this assault is fully supported, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, yes, a good piece of PR but uh, somehow I don't think that is going to be the last woman who is assaulted. Uh, and no, I know I, before um, 
there are some who are listening to this who might think that this is all Islamophobic. It's not about Islamophobia. I think that people who helped the American troops, helped the American cause in Afghanistan, the Afghan refugees, um, the interpreters and so on, deserved to be brought to America and deserve to have opportunities. The problem is that they did not uh, weed out people who had um, who were dangerous, who were these criminals, you know, like the ones who assaulted the woman um, and did not, could not weed out jihadists because do you think they're going to announce, well, I'm, I want to come to America because I, I want to perpetrate a terror attack when I get there. So it's like ridiculous to just believe um, that what all of the people said were true. Now, here's another example at Fort McCoy, that, which is in Wisconsin. Two Afghan refugees at Fort McCoy are charged with um, the sexual assault of a minor and with spousal abuse. I think I'll save this. I'll leave you on a cliffhanger and I will save this story for the next segment. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Uh, we're talking today about what happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan unlike the, set, the saying, uh, how the saying goes for Las Vegas. So before the break, I was trying to tell you about another example of how um, what is happening in Afghanistan is affecting the US and in particular in the US uh, imminently at this moment um, already, in other words. Uh, I mean, obviously there is the danger that I mentioned at the beginning about you know, the, the uh, various, the three groups of terrorists plotting together and they have the weapons and all of these various things. But this is something, and yes, that is a very, that is a danger um, that we definitely, a very serious danger. Uh, but this is happening now. So we have to be aware of what's happening now. So there were two Afghan refugees at Fort McCoy in Wisconsin and one of, they were charged, one of them with sexual assault of a minor and one of them with spousal abuse. So um, now, you know, they just left Afghanistan and the culture um, is different there, obviously. And so some of the things, I mean, this is the other part of it, which is perhaps more serious than the number of, of Afghan refugees who are gonna become criminals or terrorists. Um, so there's a perhaps a larger portion who um, who are just going to be doing what they're doing, what they did, <laughs> you know, what was okay in Afghanistan. And yes, now they're here, but it's very hard to, you know, it's culture shock. It's very hard to um, all of a sudden change what you were okay allowed to do in Afghanistan, and now all of a sudden you're not allowed to do it. So there are going to be more. Um, more cases of this, obviously not all on the bases. I mean, as the Afghan refugees are, are spread out more and more into America, uh, there are gonna be cases like this it, just in various places in America. All right, so we have um, Barula uh, Nori and Mohammed Haroon Imad. Barula Nori, um, is charged with by he was charged by a grand jury with attempting to engage in a sexual act with a minor using force and three counts of engaging in a sexual act with a minor and one count in um 
alleging the use of force. They divided these things out. But basically, he uh, he attacked, he, he committed a sexual act on a minor with force, attempted force, and so on. Then we have uh, Mohammed Harun Imad, and he is charged with assaulting his spouse by strangling and suffocating her. Uh, these crimes took place, as I said, at Fort McCoy, where these they were staying, uh, waiting to be placed in some lucky American neighborhood. And... Um, the Justice Department who reported this uh, said nothing about how, you know, they're trying to downplay the fact that these men were just following the religious and cultural norms that other Afghan ref refugees are likely to follow as well. So there, this, these two men, you know, it's not just about these two men. There's, this is a tremendous, um, it has tremendous implications. So Nori's victims, um, this is the one who sexually attacked a minor, his victims hadn't attained the age of 16. So they were lower than, less than 16. He was 20, is 20. Um, and in UNICEF reported that over half of the girls in Afghanistan are married before 18. In 2002, there were researchers in refugee camps in Afghanistan who found that half the girls married by age 13. Um, in fact, in one camp, more than two out of three second grade girls, so that's usually, well, in America, that would be about seven years old, they were either married or engaged, and all the girls who were beyond second grade were already married. This is in one camp. One 10-year-old was engaged to a man of 60. And it's not just in Afghanistan. Um, experts in um, the Quran has, have talked about how uh, under Islamic law, girls as young as nine can marry. Some other experts say Islam has no age barrier in marriage and Muslims have no apology for those who refuse to accept this. Another expert, um, in the Middle East said no minimum age for marriage in Islamic law at all, and that girls can be married even if they are in the cradle. So this obviously, you know, if, if these men um, expect to have the same kind of, these same rights, uh, traditions, they are going to get into a trouble in America. Now, in regard to spousal abuse, the Quran teaches that men are superior to women and should beat those from whom they, quote, fear disobedience. Uh, quote, men have authority over women because Allah has made the one superior to the other and because they spend their wealth to maintain them. Good women are obedient. Now, obviously not all Muslims believe um, all of these things. Um, I wanna be clear about that. But um, this is, you know, even experts in the Middle East on um, the Quran and so on are saying this. Um, okay, so now I want to talk about um, what is happening um, in Afghanistan. There, <laughs> there is hope, in other words. All of these things are pretty scary uh, with that, what I've just talked about. But in a kind of sick way, um, there is one ray of hope, and that is that each of the three groups of terrorists, ISIS, ISIS-K, uh, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban, will destroy each other before they, they, they hatch a plot 
a 9-11 type plot or more just other other terror attacks. Basically, really, the danger is before they inspire more of the uh, people who came, the Afghan refugees who were up to no good, snuck onto their planes, onto the planes. Um, the real, the most danger is that they are going to inspire them to perpetrate attacks, lone wolf attacks and so on. But all is not, um, besides what I was talking about at the very beginning, all of these barbaric practices, um, all is not well in Afghanistan in terms of um, the Taliban, aside from the fact that they are um, running around to, um, to par amusement parks, um, and you know, ride, going on rides and so on, but it's all it's all not fun and games, uh, because today, the day that I am recording this, uh, we just saw a bomb attack in Kabul on a Kabul mosque, and um, the, it, this not just any old Kabul mosque uh, or any old service. Uh, they believe that it was ISIS-K who did it, by the way, although so far no one has taken responsibility. But they hit a mosque, attacked a mosque, where there was a memorial service going on for the mother of a Taliban leader, um, the spokesman, Zabihullah Mujahid. You know, I don't make, I don't do great at these pronunciations. Anyway, a big, a big, a big guy, a leader um, amongst the Taliban, his mother, I mean, that, that really, they really were trying to hit him and um, all the Taliban where it hurts. Um, I guess it's just another way of showing how barbaric they all are, whether it's ISIS-K or, or the Taliban. So the Taliban said that there are five people who have been killed and 10 injured, but in fact, it's much more because medical sources are saying that the death toll is at 10 uh, so far and so far over 30 injured. Um, so there is there are have been skirmishes um, between these troops, particularly between the Taliban and ISIS-K. Um, and the uh, attacks against the Taliban by ISIS-K have been increasing since the Taliban came into power. Um, they, the ISIS, uh, th these were the same people who brought you the suicide bombing at the gates of the airport in Kabul that killed over 100 civilians and US military personnel. So, um, and the Taliban is also attacking ISIS-K. Um, they are, they consider, you know, I, well, it's so interesting because it's really a matter of, the question is, uh, the, is, is this going to hold true in Afghanistan? The saying, the enemy of my friend, uh, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh, until he isn't. So in other words, I mean, there've been lots of things like that happening already in Afghanistan with the Taliban, Russia, the U.S., um, you know, people sort of switching, thinking that they're going to be your friend, and then them switching sides and so on. So now same thing, there have been, it's a kind of an un, uh, a restless, I don't even know that you could say a truce, but it's a restless, a restless neighbors, you know, um, it's, there is this 
likelihood, of course, or potential that the that all of them will, um, since the U.S. and the West is the enemy of all of them, ISIS and uh, Al Qaeda and the Taliban, you would think <laughs> that they would um, that they would then band together, as might well happen, um, against the West, which would seem you know the most likely kind of thing. But in the meantime, they are having these skirmishes and are hitting the Taliban where it hurts. And, um, and the Taliban is doing similar. The Taliban, for example, um, a couple of days ago, the Taliban uh, raided an ISIS hideout just north of Kabul after an ISIS roadside bomb wounded four Taliban fighters in that area. So, there, so it's these skirmishes that are going on, that have, have been going on, and... Um, making it so it's not it's sort of not uh i mean the taliban has won but it's not like the others are leaving them alone or are everybody's um everybody's just following their rule um and this bombing it wasn't just that it was the mother's memorial but it was also um it it came after the new taliban interim go government had a large rally on the outskirts of Kabul. There were 1,500 men and boys who attended, and they were boasting at this rally that the country has, quote, a bright future, unquote, despite being shunned by international donors. Well, you know, it's, they're not so totally shunned. Um, I mean, we have been giving them and other countries have been giving them for relief, you know, um, to help all the poor people in Afghanistan, oh, giving them relief. Of course, you know, it's so sad because because the majority, if not all of that relief is going to the Taliban, not to the poor people who are starving. And here's another scenario for you. <laughs> if the uh, if each of the three if the three terrorist groups in Afghanistan don't kill each other, uh, another potential scenario is, and this is uh, this was said by John Bolton, who was the former national security advisor. He says that the Taliban may get nuclear weapons uh, after our chaotic withdrawal. And he, say, he says, quote, the Taliban in control of Afghanistan threatens the possibility of terrorists taking control of Pakistan. That means maybe 150 nuclear weapons in the hands of terrorists. In other words, uh, Pakistan has nuclear weapons. And so the Taliban um, can well, could well, you know, in fact, Pakistan is, has been having trouble at the borders, um, trying to prevent some of the Taliban and um, it, it, there's been there have been skirmishes at the border as well, and um, they don't want to be taken over by the Taliban. So in any case, um, if the Taliban and or or for that matter any other terrorist group uh, goes into Pakistan and takes over control of the nuclear weapons, that is another potential scenario. Um, so. <laughs> So pick, pick which one you want. Um, obviously, time will tell, but um, it is important that we know about these things, that we are aware of these things, that we protect ourselves by making ourselves stronger. 
And um, I want to refer you, you know, one of the things um, I mentioned before about how I created this music video that ran around on a mobile billboard um, on, around Ground Zero on September 10th and 11th. And it was the, it started with um, ex, uh, the, the main point of it was to get people to not forget 9-11 and reasons why we should never forget. That's how it started off and it got into a whole bunch of other things. And I just want to tell you that you can watch it. If you go to my website, terroristtherapist.com, um, it's on the top and you will see a picture of the Taliban, the picture of the Taliban press conference. And that is the video. And you will see why, you know, I am so intent not only to uh, make sure that people don't forget 9-11, but don't forget that there is this ongoing threat out there. And that to, to now with what happened in Afghanistan, the um, chaotic pullout, we are in more danger than we were before 9-11. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.